Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Leicester continue to fly high. Arsenal stumble again at home. Louis van Gaal relieves some of the pressure and Pep comes to England. We knew that was happening, but he's going to Manchester City. This is the Midweek World Soccer Talk podcast. My name's Carter Krishnayer, joined by Nipun Chopra. Nipun is very happy after a Manchester United victory, the first proper win for United in the league in months, maybe? Yeah, yeah. very happy about that. Very sad about Pep the City. I know, I know you're a little conflicted, but I'm devastated by that. Yeah, I'm conflicted, and I just feel for Pellegrini and my hope as feeling for Pellegrini is that he gets a similarly prestigious job after because he certainly has done the job. Chilean national team? What do you think? It seems like he doesn't want that job. And obviously that job is uh, open uh, right now. Uh, Sampoli maybe goes to Chelsea or maybe Pellegrini goes to Chelsea. Who knows? Uh, The Chelsea job, of course, still open, still a big one. But we had some interesting results this weekend, Nipun. Let's let's start with Arsenal because Arsenal has been a common theme of this podcast uh, for five, six seasons on this show. Around this time of year, we're having the same conversation about the Gooners. And Richard, myself, and you all along felt like, not all along, but at least recently felt like maybe this was the season we don't have this conversation. Lawrence has been in the other camp, has been in the established camp, the safer camp, I must add. And at this point, it looks like the safer camp, another draw at home for the Gooners. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that, but it's still five points from the top of the league. Uh, it's a nil-nil draw. It's not the end of the world. I, I think Southampton is a good team. Uh, and let's not forget that Arsenal, at the end of the day, should have won this game. There were issues with finishing uh, and some terrific, terrific goalkeeping by Forster. Um, I mean, in the first 10 minutes, they could have gone a goal up. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the highlight or watch the game, uh, Karthik, but that first touch by Otsil, incredible. There's so much quality in this team that I am not switching over to the other side yet. It's five points. There are 14 games left to go. I think Arsenal are in a very good position. They're in one of these swoons again, though, uh, four games without a win down the Premier League. And there has to be concern out there that, because we've seen it before, we've seen them go to pieces after elimination from Champions League. And around this time as well, in February, March, yeah. They've got Barcelona in Champions round of 16. Arsenal has gone out in the round of 16 each of the last of five seasons, this would be this would be six in a row if, if it were to happen. So the, the the question is, will the same thing happen? I think about 2011 when they yeah. should have beaten Chelsea, uh, Barcelona over two legs. Very strange call against Van Robin Van Persie yeah. at the New Camp, and still had a chance to to advance when Nicholas Bentner missed a sitter in stoppage time at the New Camp. 
and their their season then went to pieces. They were eliminated from the League Cup by Birmingham City. The FA Cup, Fergie played reserves and beat them. Remember mm-hmm. that match? And oh, then in the vividly. league, they, yeah, and the and in the league they fell from first to So I I wonder if that's coming again or is enough of the personnel different? Alexis right. Sanchez has won trophies. Mesut Ozil has won trophies at at different clubs. Obviously, these Arsenal players have won the FA Cup also, but in league league titles, Ozil and Sanchez have won. Maybe they bring and Petr Cech, of course, is one mm-hmm. week title. Maybe they bring the experience to change this. Yeah, and and let's. Uh, I think what, what you said as far as turnover is important, Karthik, because from that team, we're really looking at Wilshire and Ramsey as the ones who have survived from that team. So the the and maybe Rosicky who doesn't play as much, uh, and they you know Wilshire and Ramsey was sixteen and seventeen at the time. So there has been maturity in every way, and I think there's enough personnel different that the memories of that ridiculous collapse will be uh, not ever present in their minds. Now, I have to mention two seasons ago, Arsenal led the table for about 160 days. <laughs> That's true. Manchester City only led the table for nine days and they for ended up winning three the title. Seconds. Arsenal finished fourth. Again, finished fourth when they led yeah. for most of the season. So there's this pattern. Uh, this season, they haven't led for most of the season, but it's felt like, okay, Leicester is going to fall off. Arsenal are going to take it. And well, that remains to be seen. But let's uh, move on to that team. Top of the table, Leicester City, 2-0 victory over Liverpool. Two excellent first-half saves from Simone Mignolet kept this match at 0-0 at halftime. And you think, oh, gosh, the breaks are now beginning to go against Leicester. Uh, on the Mahrez shot, well, what a save by Mignolet. But then in the second half, maybe the goal of the season from Vardy. Uh, the Mahrez goal would have been the goal of the season yes. if Mignolet hadn't saved yeah. it. Uh, the two of the best strikes, cleanest strikes you'll you'll ever see. A great ball by Mahrez to set Vardy up. And then the second goal was Vardy after Okazaki uh, had beaten his defender, uh, put a shot on target and had been deflected into Vardy's path. So 2-0, Liverpool was supposed to be a test. This is one of the teams that beat, one of the two teams that has beaten Leicester in the league this season, and the Foxes were all over them. Absolutely. It was it was a comfortable win. It was, a, it was the kind of win that if you saw, you know, a, a tabletop Chelsea beat a mid-level team, you'd say, yeah, that was a comfortable win. That was the level of this game. Leicester could have won this 4-5-0. Okazaki should have scored in the first five minutes. Um, as you said about Vardy's strikes, I think that for me, other than Leicester City, I think I look at Liverpool and I notice some of some glaring mistakes from Sako, who, who looks good distributing about 90% of the time, Karthik, but his clearance often, at least when I'm watching him, fall directly to opposition players and that, that's what happened for the second goal with when his header fell straight to the feet of Okazaki, who then played through, uh, inadvertently played through Vardy for the goal. So, And then Conte. So you guys talked about Conte in the midweek. Oh, amazing. He was incredible against Chan, Leva, and Lalana. Probably the best player on the pitch other than Vardy. Well, that's... Uh... Maybe one of the great takeaways from this game about Liverpool's work rate is that essentially you had a, a three-man midfield line or a three-man kind of hybrid midfield forward line bossed by one player on Leicester. Right, exactly. And uh, that uh, I, you're not the first person to, to throw out that piece of analysis in the last 24 hours. I've heard it uh, from a couple of people that, my goodness, uh, we know how good Conte is, but uh, with this three-man press that uh, Klopp sets up, he was able to almost single-handedly contain three players, Lalana, Sean, and Milner, in, 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 with one body. Mm-hmm. Uh, just amazing. Amazing work, as we've seen all season. So this, I guess, should begin to erase some of the questions about Leicester City or anyone, sure. uh, Nipun, really talking about Leicester falling out of the top four now. You can just d- debate title credentials, but do we think we've sold, there's, people are sold on them as a top four club? 
I think they have to be. I don't think there's any doubt that not any doubt. I don't think there should be doubt that they are top four, very strong top four contender, the strongest top four contender statistically, right? That the uh, the likelihood of them falling out of the top four is low. I, I know. I, I see what the counterpoint is, and the counterpoint is that the difference between top four and falling out of top four is just eight or nine points, and there's still twelve games to go. But the way Leicester City is playing and has consistently played, unless something drastic happens in terms of them uh, getting multiple injuries at the same time, let's not forget that Leicester City has been one of the healthiest team all season. So the only way I can foresee them falling out of top four is a barrage of injuries that take place together. That is correct, Anupun. And let me leave our listeners with this thought. Now, there's been all this talk. This team's punching well above their weight. They're not. Uh, this can't continue. I have to be honest with you. When they got promoted from the championship two seasons ago, I and another friend of mine who follows uh, English football very closely predicted Leicester would be a mid-table team the next season Mm -hmm. and the following season and would then maybe contend to be in a UEFA, not UEFA Cup, excuse me, Europa League place this season, what is now this season. They played so poorly for most of last season and then had to have the great escape that we then reassessed our view and said, oh, we, we overrated these players. They looked good in the championship. Maybe the, some of these guys weren't as good as we thought they were. The reality now, I think, is that they underachieved last season. They were always supposed to be a mid-table team. They underachieved for large portions of last season. And then uh, under Nigel Pearson, came good at the end. But that coming good at the end was probably a natural progression. And then this season, no, they shouldn't be in the title race. But contending for the top four, not in a normal year, but this isn't a normal Premier league year and we felt they'd be on the trajectory to compete for H, uh, uh UEFA uh, seventh place for a right. Europa League spot so maybe they're they're kind of on their logical progression but the league has come back to them and when you think about adding guys like Fuchs and, and Conte and uh, other Robert Huth players of that caliber who uh, are experienced pros and then uh enhancing it with some of the other guys that have that have come good Maybe oh, and Okazaki. Okazaki was the one I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, when you consider the players they bought, maybe it's. Uh, I'm not. They are overachieving, no doubt. But maybe this isn't a team that should have been destined for relegation conversation to begin with. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm. I know I'm oversimplifying, but someone like Okazaki fits their model a little bit more than Ochoa. L- last season, I know Ochoa started the season well, but when you're playing a counterattacking pacey, uh, pacey counterattacking game. And you have Okazaki, he gives you a lot more movement than Ochoa, who's, you know, a traditional target man. Right, uh, and and, but, but then Ranieri's been smart when they've gotten ahead of these games. Exactly. Ochoa comes on and holds the ball up, exactly. and it works. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe they were uh, the signing of uh, of uh, Loic Remy away from winning this title? Who knows? <laughs> um, that would have been something if they'd gotten him. Let's move on. We spent a lot of time on Leicester, as we should, because they are top of the table. I know uh, Arsenal fans and Man City fans and Man United fans may not want to hear that, but they are. Let's move on to Spurs. Seems like a routine 3-0 victory at Carroll Road. Spurs are collecting points and winning games now, uh, and now have the best goal difference in the league, by the way. Winning games and collecting points in places they never used to do uh, do the job. This is the sort of game where under Harry Redknapp or AVB or Tim Sherwood, they would either draw or they would, would need a late goal to win. And it was easy. First minute they they, they uh, scored, Deli Ali again, and then uh, from there on in, they uh, they bossed the game. Uh so two two questions, Napoon. Yeah. Spurs are they a, a, a real title contender at this point? And Norwich, they have not done anything since the Christmas period, and I, I don't believe they've even gotten a point in the league. Maybe I'm wrong. I need the form guide, but they um, they seem like they're spiraling uh, into this relegation mire and may not get out of it. 
So the first part, first of all, I got to give a shout out to Richard because he he pressed me on this a couple of times and I kept saying, I don't see enough up top from Spurs consistently to make them to make me consider that they're a title contender. Since then, <laughs> Deli Ali has scored in every single game <laughs> since I made that comment. Harry Kane has come back into form. Ericsson is playing out of his mind. So uh, yes, they are title contenders more so than uh, for has been true for quite a few. What happens if Kane gets hurt? Yeah, I mean that's it's the same thing with Leicester, right? When when you're well, the... well, no, but they do have Okazaki and uh, and and Joa, and now that they've signed Damari Gray, he could play up top. Yeah, and Gray did actually well in the in the League Cup games as well. So uh, th- that's true. The the thing with Spurs, I think, in in Spurs' defense, is that they're not as heavily reliant on that one forward because they have all these goals coming in from midfield. Whereas with with Leicester City, if you take Mares and Vardy out of the equation, you do struggle for goals even with Okazaki and Ochoa's movement. Um, whereas with with Leicester, uh, sorry, with Spurs, you have enough goals coming from Eriksen and Dele Alli to keep it going. And potentially Chadley, and I think that's probably Chadley, yeah. that's probably what, if put in this position, Pochettino would do is play uh, Chadley up front or play mm-hmm. Lamella up front, and just uh, obviously they have Son, but I think they he would probably play with one of those two guys up front and try and get through it. So the Norwich part, Karthik. Let's talk about Norwich. Norwich absolutely horrendous today uh, in the, against Spurs yesterday. Mobakani, who had a good game against Liverpool, I, I was kind of excited to watch him play uh, based on how he played against Liverpool in that exciting. 5-4 loss for uh, Norwich, but since then has been very poor. Molumbu has been error-prone. Teti has been error-prone in midfield, uh, was overrun by Spurs in midfield. To answer your question, North City are my pick for the... Th- uh, other than Villa and Sunderland, North City are my pick to go down this season. Okay, so that's uh, Norwich. It's it's not a pretty picture, and I really thought Alex Neal would, would have this team in a better position in the table now. I, I have feel bad they spent a lot of money mm-hmm. in the transfer window so uh, there's there Della uh, Delia Smith uh, Miss Delia Smith who's been one of the model owners in English football done an incredible job financially mm-hmm. with that club for the first time I've seen her really splurge on players in fear of relegation because it, the, the last time when they got relegated it was unexpected uh, and they had done well the previous two seasons she really splurged in this window, I think she's going to be expecting results. Right. Alex Neal did an outstanding job recovering that last season when it looked like they weren't even going to make the promotion playoffs, but you have to wonder about his job. Let's uh, move on. Manchester City 1-0 over Sunderland at the Stadium of Light. That's the second consecutive victory for Manchester City at the Stadium of Light after losing the previous four yeah. seasons. Yeah. Bogey team for uh, for Manchester City. In fact, uh, Sunderland, as I talked about previously on the podcast, have taken more points off of Manchester City than anyone in English football mm-hmm. the last several seasons. Uh, so it's just kind of a, a, a freak thing. It was That's, always Sunderland and Everton that was City's bogey teams, right? Yeah, Everton was the other one when David Moyes was there. The takeaway from this match, obviously, was the Pep factor. Pep Guardiola named Manchester City's incoming manager to take over in the summer on Monday. Then on Tuesday, Manchester City wins this game, and Joe Hart, after the match, says, we're playing for Manuel Pellegrini. We enjoy playing for him. And he is a player's manager. You know, you can't help but think, now these guys are going to be professionals when Pep comes in, but you can't help but think some of them uh, really feel terrible about this, and maybe it stimulates uh, uh, play from here on out. Let's see what it does. Does it help Manchester City? Yeah, I think Manchester City has, uh, I know there's been a lot of criticism for whatever reason, but I think Manchester City has done the right things. I think they've made the right hires at the right time in general. When you see the progression with Mancini and Pellegrini and now Guardiola. And I think the the players will be cognizant of the fact that um, if the ultimate goal for City, Karthik, is the Champions League, then who better than Guardiola to come in 
uh, and maybe take City in that positive direction. So they will play their hearts out for Pellegrini, who you said is, like you said, is very popular at the t- at the uh, in the club. But I think they'll be also be looking forward uh, to what might be the start of a new era. It's part of a progression because Pellegrini was brought in very much to be the anti-Mancini. Mancini right. was a drama-filled manager. A lot of the players did not like him. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of a father figure. At the same time, you know, Mancini did some good things at City as well. Oh, no question yeah. about it. I mean, I, I think that there, there's a real conversation among Manchester City supporters. Now, the conversation stops abruptly because Pep's coming in. But Manchester City supporters who just look at tactics and look at don't think about dressing room considerations mm-hmm. that – Manchester City would have continued to win titles every year if Mancini had retained. That's There is that narrative among a lot of our fans right. that this was a bad mistake because Pellegrini is stubborn. He's not as tactically astute. And, you know, this season, I look at him, if this were a Mancini-led team, yeah, with the weekend Premier League, I, uh, City probably would have won the title. But last season, I'm not sure. I think maybe with uh, with Chelsea running away with the title, Mancini would have exploded, turned on players, and, and it could have finished fourth or fifth, right? So I mean, right. You, there is there is a certain element of that, which is why um, Mancini was replaced. But uh, I, I think this is all part of a logical progression. Let's talk a little bit about Sunderland. They played well in this match. Yeah. They made a number of moves in the transfer market to bring in players from the continent. Sam Allardyce himself was, had gone down to France a couple times to scout. Uh, he brought in uh, one, one of the players he brought in, uh, whose name is escaping me, Traore, is that right? Um, or or um, uh, uh, on the position? back line, uh, he, he was, he's, he's a defender. Looked right. very good in this game. Yeah, Sunderland, for me, was really good. I, I think they could have won this game. I mean, there were a couple of saves that Joe Hart had to make that were exceptionally good saves somewhere from distance uh there was one right at the end that was really good john o'shea should have scored towards the end so there were multiple moments in this game karthik that i thought sunderland could have escaped with the point uh, or at least uh, got a point at home um but having said that i think the problem for me with sunderland is that when i saw defoe coming in i thought okay here's someone that at least this season can give them a few goals keep maybe can help keep sunderland up but even in this game, he missed a couple of chances that he should have buried. So in that sense, Sunderland still remained relegation favorites for me. But the question I want to ask you, uh, Karthik, is about Joe Hart. I think as, as a Man United supporter, I'm used to having a goalkeeper get all the praise uh, deservedly in terms of David De Gea, who's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Joe Hart, on the other hand, maybe because he's English, gets a bit of stick, when a lot of stick when he makes mistakes lately. And Today, when or yesterday, when he was really good, he doesn't get nearly enough credit. So, how, how do you feel about Joe Hart in oh, this? I think city? he's. I don't think he's as good as De Gea, but he's the next best keeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and along with maybe Jack Butland this season, believe yeah. it or not, I think Stoke, Jack Butland yeah, and Stokes sure. been very good and underappreciated. Well, Forrester would be in that conversation too. He's been hurt most of the season. We saw what he can do yesterday, but mm-hmm. yeah, Hart is definitely at the very top of that list. And I think he, and, along with other English keepers, tend to be underappreciated. Kone is the player I'm thinking of, by the way, on Sunderland. I oh, thought right, he was okay. very very yeah. good and that's a player that uh that some uh, that outerdice went and personally scouted uh, during uh they they've been eliminated from all the cup competitions so he had he had a week to go see him or 10 days and uh, uh was able to convince him to come to sunderland mm-hmm. now you mentioned jermaine defoe this just brings up another point so sunderland have let stephen fletcher go to marseille they have uh not really used fabio barini although he came on in this match they haven't used him effectively they sold Connor Wickham to Crystal Palace, and now they brought Endoy back in from Russia, or he was in Russia before, he's in Turkey now. Uh, Allardyce, I guess, wasn't pleased with the strikers he inherited and went out and got a guy 
uh, an Indoy who has Premier League experience from Hull City, of course, in the past, uh, uh, from uh, the Turkish League, and uh, ship Fletcher out. What are your thoughts about that? He's looking for goals somewhere. I don't. I, so whenever I see the Sunderland team, I always wonder what is Sam Allardyce's ultimate goal. I mean, he's he's stacked his defense. We we know he likes to play the long ball. He's stacked his defense with players that have that are you know someone like Yedlin who can bomb forward can play in midfield, can play multiple positions, but there isn't enough up top to put away those goals. And that's why I thought, okay, with with Adam Johnson being able to maybe provide the kind of assist that Defoe thrives in, and maybe with Barini, as you mentioned, they'd create enough goals, but he's playing in a way that does not fit those players. In fact, I, I don't think Adam Johnson even started this game against City. So, um, no, he didn't. Yeah, so. He didn't, and we, Kone has come in. We talked about uh, uh, Ndoy coming in. Uh, Kirchhoff, the former Schalke player who was pretty good at Schalke, wasn't so good at Bayern. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's come in. He was playing in defensive midfield. And then, of course, I mean, uh, Kaz- some ways, Kaziri, who I've yeah. heard is a really good player, has come in. So he's brought four players from outside of England, uh, the opposite of what Newcastle is doing, and he's trying to shove them in an in, in English team with 15 games to go. What yeah. do you think of that approach? Five, four continental players. I mean, he's. I guess it's one of those throw everything at the window and see what sticks type type of approach. And maybe that he feels that he needs to create enough turnover in this team to maybe challenge the rest of the players. But I don't think it's the way forward. I don't think that's what Sunderland tried to do at the start of the season, really, even though he has spent a lot of money. So I don't know what he's going for, to be honest. And when you consider, uh, I was just looking this up, when you consider one of their most prolific players as far as creating chances van Arnhold from left back you kind of see that there isn't enough creativity in that team yeah that is certainly true i think one of the things that sunderland supporters can hang their head on hat on after this game is that kirchhoff who we've talked about and i've seen a lot of in the bundesliga yeah and he didn't he didn't look acclimated to england the first couple of weeks when he came in looked very good in this game in a holding midfield role uh, probably really. more to do with yaya Ture than him though <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true the yaya Ture laziness factor that yeah. uh, is often discussed but no kirchhoff looked good uh, it'll be interesting this is a conversation we'll have again sunderland newcastle big rivals what's happened here is that newcastle has gone basically english in their buys tried to get even more English guys in. Mm-hmm. And Sunderland, uh, Allardyce maybe thinking the English market was overvalued or just didn't like what he saw. He didn't want to buy a guy like Townsend, didn't want to buy a guy like Shelby. Went to the continent and picked up four players uh, and paid a lot less money, it should be noted, for those four players. Yeah. Newcastle did for the two we mentioned. So uh, I think that that's something to look at in uh, in the North uh, East as we go on. Let's, let's move on to the other games. West Ham 2-0 Villa. Anything you want to say about this game? Jordan Ayew embarrassment with that red card uh, what i do want to say actually is mark noble had a terrific game for west ham he had an incredible paul Scholes-esque volley that that was saved uh from a corner and then uh he, he had the ball uh, he had the perfect long ball that was switched uh over to michael antonio for the first goal in fact villa were very troubled by balls switching flanks all evening so those are the thoughts on this game. Yeah, West Ham, believe it or not, 39 points are only six points out of fourth place. They are not going away either. We, we mm-hmm. spent a lot of time talking about Leicester. I believe Leicester will finish in the top four. I think West Ham might finish in a European place also. The table doesn't lie after 25 games. <laughs> it's not, we're not after five games anymore. We're after right. 20. Let's uh, move on. Palace, uh, another home defeat. This is their fifth right. consecutive defeat in the league. Seven games without a win. 2-1 defeat to Bournemouth. They brought on Adebayor late. He almost got a goal, but they still don't have goal scorers in the team. And Bournemouth, they bought a Fobe. They spent a lot of money. They bought him right at the beginning of the transfer window from Wolves. Uh, it, it was well known he was a guy that teams were going to come in for. They snagged him, and uh, they've looked very good since. And they're, they're only 
now a few weeks away from potentially getting Max Gradle back. Things on the up for Eddie Howe. Absolutely. But the Palace thing first for me, absolutely you hit the uh, nail on the head with their striker problems uh, putting the ball in the net. Because when you watch this game, Wilfred Zaha had the beating of Adam Smith over and over and over again. Uh, playing from the left, Adam Smith was the right back for Burnmouth. Yet they couldn't, and he and he beat them over again, sending yeah, this decent. This is why cross. I believe, unfortunately, I mean, I, I, Fraser Campbell has been a nice professional, right. Shamak, nice professional, a guy who was Shamak uh, was brought to the club, I believe, by Tony Pulis. So that was to play that way. That's why I think Adebayor is probably going to start the rest of the season. Honestly, yeah, he he missed a good chance right at the end of the game. He came on for the last 15, 10, maybe ten minutes. I want to say missed a good chance right at the end of the game. Will be important, hopefully, to this Palace team because they need goals. And uh, as you said, Burnmouth, I mean, great story in every single way. Benikafobi, you and I were talking before we started uh, recording. Uh, very good signing from Wolves. Uh, he missed a couple of good opportunities, one in the very first few minutes, but then scored what was a bit of a lucky looping header, but proved to be the winner. So Burnmouth up and away. Yep, Bournemouth now on 29 points, beginning to pull away from that relegation conversation. Manchester United 3-0 over Stoke. Wayne Rooney gets another goal. Wonder strike from Martial, and uh, Lingard gets his name on the score sheet. Mm -hmm. Three good goals. This is, again, (laughs) what we see from Stoke. They're very inconsistent. They were due a bad game, and they they gave us a bad game. Uh, Thoughts on this? Uh, United also very inconsistent. You want to know how they're inconsistent? They actually scored in the first half this game. Karthik, we we were I did, I couldn't believe it. I I thought I was dreaming and someone was going to wake me up the way we played in the first half. We were very good. Martial against Glenn Johnson was almost a comedy in some points. The amount of times Martial turned him inside out, uh, great reminder of the defender Johnson once was. Um, best game United has had in a fair amount of time. Rooney involved in everything. Juan Mata should have scored a couple, but himself was involved in the build up to all three goals. Uh, Carrick was magnificent in midfield in this game. So a uh, very comfortable day, which is rare to say for Man United. Everton 3-0 over Newcastle. That game took place just uh, sh- a little while ago. Another great uh, game for Ross Barkley uh, in midfield and some nice goals. Aaron Lennon had a goal, which is which is good to see uh, from from perspective of watching a player who's come through all these injuries, getting back into some degree of form. Uh, important three points for Roberto Martinez and Everton. Well played to them. Newcastle, we talked about the money they spent. They were the big spenders in the, mm-hmm. in the January window. They wanted to spend even more. They were trying to get Berahino. They offered $24 million in cash to West Brom, and West Brom rejected it. They looked awful in this match, and yes, they had this chance with Mitrovic in, in the second half. Well, ni- nicely set up ball there uh, that, that he got on the end of and, and couldn't finish, but they look a woeful side, and I'm not sure about Townsend and Shelby as signings. This is why they're ahead right now of Sunderland, the table, by a couple points, but I think maybe Allardyce took the right approach. This is at least the position I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens in, um, in in a couple months, but I think Allardyce took the right approach going to the continent and getting guys that had played with good teams on the continent that were uh, worth less than guys that had fallen out of their, their sides uh, plans here in England, because I, I think those players are hungry. We saw Kirchhoff, we saw Kone play well. I, I'm not sure Shelby and Townsend are the right fits for Newcastle. Yeah, with Shelby, it's always a case of he starts off really well, which is what he did in his first game. He had a couple of assists, or maybe not a couple of assists. He had one assist and one, and was build in, involved in the build-up to the second Newcastle goal. But since then, uh, it's just you know bits of pieces here and there. Uh, Shelby is a good player on his day, extremely inconsistent. So having, I'll admit, I didn't get to watch this game, but just looking at the starting lineups and the scoreline, um, having 
you know, Sissoko, Wijnaldum, Townsend, and Perez there playing for Newcastle, you would think there's at least a goal between them, especially with Wijnaldum. But we know that Wijnaldum tends to play better away from home. So maybe playing them in that formation maybe wasn't the best way to go against a very strong uh, Everton team when they are on form themselves. Nil-nil Chelsea and Watford uh, at, uh, at at Vicarage Road. Good game, I thought. I thought both teams, I thought Watford were better in the first half. Chelsea were better in the second mm-hmm. half. Uh, your thoughts on uh, on this match and your thoughts on uh, on Diego Costa. He he didn't score. He was in the middle of some argy-bargy, but he looks right. a different player on routine, doesn't Absolutely he? Absolutely, he does. Costa and Fabregas both look like different players, Karthik. Uh, they look like they care. Uh, as you and I were talking before we started recording, it's not so much a tactical shift. There's Chelsea continues to play 4-2-3-1. The, the three changes so far have been the importance of Mikel and the resurgence of uh, of both of the players that we mentioned, Costa and Fabregas. Well, they're not leaking goals since Mikel right. got inserted. So I, I fear for Matic's future at Chelsea. You know, it's interesting today, uh, Karthik, I was watching the game on, on tactical cam. It was incredible to see the Matic playing further ahead of Fabregas for multiple points in this game. Probably because uh, Hiddink realizes that Fabregas is better on the ball. Uh, Matic should be used as maybe a destroyer in whatever region of the fi- uh, region of the pitch right. you consider important. So Matic, in multiple points in this game, was playing further ahead of Fabregas, which is the first time I've ever seen that. Right. Yeah, that's the first time I've seen that also. The uh, sale of Ramirez probably makes uh, an impact in this and maybe gives Matic a, a new role at Chelsea. Kiki Sanchez-Flores will be happy with the point. Hilaria Gomez, very good again in this yeah. game. And Watford... Uh, crawling up the table away from that relegation conversation. Very good for a newly promoted team. Uh, there's one more game we didn't talk about. Uh, <laughs> Probably good reason. Talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Swansea, uh, unfortunately for those of those of us who are neutrals, but would like a, a certain style of football out of the Premier League. Uh, unfortunately, Swansea couldn't hold on to this result. Late goal for West Brom, who again did not start Saito Berahino. 1-1 at the Hawthorns. Tony Pulis gets another point. Uh, undeserved point, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't have any thoughts on this game, Karthik. Yeah, it could have been three in a row since the managerial change to Goodalene, Goodayin for uh, Swansea. I think he's got Swansea uh, climbing up the table. And I really, I have to say, uh, man's been relegated the last two seasons in the Premier League, Leroy Fair, mm-hmm. Norwich, QPR. But I do think that's a good signing for Swansea. I think he's going to fill a role that John Joe Shelby did not. Mm-hmm. And that's why Shelby was shipped out. Fair was brought in. It took a couple of weeks uh, to, to make that switch, uh, Shelby shipped out at the beginning of the month. Fair comes in at the end of the month, but I think that's an upgrade. Yeah, they they need to find a way to to get Gomish back to the level he was. I mean, he's nowhere close to that today. Uh, this goal, this game, Sigurdsson scored another another player that has been in and out uh, as far as form goes. So, well, I, I think Sigurdsson's going to play better now because he and Fair. I think we'll play off each mm-hmm. other, stay out of each other's space. This was a problem with Shelby. I think Shelby crowded into Shelby's a very undisciplined player, and he would right. crowd into Sigurdsson's space. I think Gilfie Sigurdsson, who uh, we'll see uh, the rest of the season and then in the summer in the Euros for uh, Iceland, probably maybe their top player going into that tournament, he's going to have a good second half of the season. It, interesting, though. Sigurdsson played essentially like a false nine in this game. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah and maybe that's uh, also due to Gomez's form. So they uh, some tactical. Uh, tactical experimentation with Swansea, I should say, but 1-1 draw there. Both teams pick up a point. Uh, Both teams not in the relegation zone, but still in the relegation conversation. When we come back to part two of the World Soccer Talk pod, we're going to talk a little bit about Pep, and we're going to talk a lot about the top four. Stay with us.
Welcome back to the World Soccer Talk podcast. Carter Krishnan along with Nipun Chopra. And Nipun, big news on transfer deadline day. Wasn't a transfer. Well, maybe it was a transfer. <laughs> Manchester City, something that's been rumored for weeks, speculated for weeks, formally announced that Pep Guardiola, Guardiola will be joining the club mm-hmm. in the summer. It seems like this was a little bit forced by Manuel Pellegrini finally coming out and saying, hey, I'm leaving at the end of the, uh, this season. That way, Pellegrini is in the shop window now for the services of clubs, maybe Chelsea, that need a manager. Yeah, I think that's that's right. I think Pellegrini has really has a pick of anywhere he wants to go. Um, at this point, it, it will be interesting to see what he picks. Chelsea would be very, very interesting because I think if if I am if I'm Abramovich, maybe he is the guy I go for. It, it was something I wasn't considering until very recently, but in all ways, in every single way, it, it fits. Yeah, and he could take some of the drama out of that dressing room. Well, I don't know about that. I don't think anyone can get rid of that drama. J- JT's gone. We'll we'll see. Uh, by the way, uh, Chelsea note for American listeners: Matt Miazga, their new signing from Red Bull, has been registered for both for the Champions, Champions League. League. So that's right. very very good news. Uh, and somebody was not registered, right? Falcao. So, uh, Falcao was not registered. Yep. That's right. Miazga got Falcao's spot. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the state of that. Um, uh, less the less said about Falcao at this point, the better. I agree. Uh, I don't want to remind listeners that I thought he would come good under Mourinho. This, but you weren't you weren't the only one. I, I think that was common. It was just when we saw him play at United last year. It wasn't that he wasn't scoring goals. It was just everything. His first touch was abysmal. So yeah, and I still have a theory Claudio Ranieri would be managing Monaco if Falcao hadn't gotten right. hurt. So probably great thing for Leicester City in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah. and Ranieri is obviously contributing to this league a lot more than Falcao is. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Manchester United's managerial situation feeding off the Pep thing. Pep is off the market. There were reports that Manchester United met with Pep just two weeks ago in Paris. Uh, Pep's comfort maybe with uh, with uh, Burgesson and uh, Soriano, who he worked with at Barcelona, was a tiebreaker. I think the other thing I'm, I'm reading was that Manchester City's academy, which is now producing right. players, Ehinaccio, obviously the most prominent, and maybe, I mean, who knows if they're going to produce another player that good in the next five years. He's, but he's a pretty good one. He's a good young player who's come through the system and um, was on the uh, reserve team last season and is now a, a key first-team player. That was one of the tiebreakers uh, in Pep's mind. Where does this leave Manchester United? Do you go for Mourinho or do you go after a Simeone or a, a, another manager like that? Or do you stick with Van Hall? Other option, of course, is to promote Ryan Giggs. Yeah, it, it's interesting, right? You're standing in the middle of an intersection, and it's a stop sign, and you have to decide which one of the cars is going to hit you. It's a, it's a great decision to have, Karthik. <laughs> uh, I don't know which one we go for, Karthik. I, it wouldn't be Mourinho for me. I, I think Mourinho makes most sense from the perspective of, okay, here's a guy that would actually give you the most likelihood of success short-term. From that sense, it makes perfect sense uh we are we've seen what's happened with gary neville at valencia especially today after that seven nothing demolition by barcelona so the idea that the class of 92 is automatically ready for management uh has been proven to be wrong time and time again um and as far as van hall staying goes i don't think that that's the best way to go forward 
I know some people believe that we the third season will be the the magic for Van Hal where everything clicks. I, I'm not one of those people. So it comes back to the fourth option which you gave me, which is someone out of the box like an uh, like a Simeone or maybe a Laurent Blanc even. Laurent Blanc. Okay, so that's actually an interesting one. I think he, he things are going very well for him at PSG. If he would want to leave, that would be an appointment that's a non-class of 92 appointment. I think Fergie would love to have Gary Neville. Now it's impossible to hire Neville with the way it's gone at Valencia or Giggs. But if you don't do that, I think Fergie would probably bless uh, Blanc, who he's close with and former player, and he stayed close with after he left Manchester United. I think he would bl- bless that appointment more than he would bless even a Mourinho, uh, personally. That, that's an interesting one. Uh, discuss that a little more because I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so to give our readers a little context, Blanc came in after United sold Yapstown, one of Sir Alex's uh, worst decisions, came in at 35. For, and- perhaps a single worst decision. And right. I think he realizes that. I mean, every, every time I read a book, I'm reading Leading Now by Ferguson, read his autobiography, read numerous interviews with him. He always has to come back to that sale and somehow justify it. So Absolutely. I think he knows it was a decision. Yeah, and, and Blanc came in and, and uh, of course, United did struggle at that time before until they signed Ferdinand in defense because they stuck uh, Ronnie Janssen and Silvestre and David May next to uh, Laurent Blanc. But in general, Laurent Blanc showed his leadership qualities. Uh, I don't think there was a better example than when United were down 3 nothing at Spurs in the first half and came back to win 5-3. The very first goal, Laurent Blanc uh, to make it 3-1. So in general, Laurent Blanc is a player that Salix loved having. He, he United even gave him an, a, a year contract extension to, into his 37th year of football. So um, I think Salix holds him in high regard. He has done well at PSG. He has had some problems at PSG as well. But... Uh, between Simeone Those and problems have been in Europe, but right, right, exactly, and 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 you know the thing I'll say, Karthik, about Blanc is that uh, Laurent Blanc is that he's done well with some serious egos at PSG and some egos that I don't think uh, the, the sort of the sort of negotiation that I think you will need at a club like United, who are now starting to follow the Real Madrid model of just buying players. So with that said, it's different from Simeone because Simeone is used to playing. Or bringing through players and playing with youth players and players that have to buy uh, have to buy into him. Whereas Blanc has shown that he can convince someone like Ibra, someone like Cavani, and now Angel Di Maria and Thiago Mora to fit into what he wants them to. Do. I like the sound of this. I have to say though, Nipun, uh, next show when Richard Farley's back and he asks you about this. He is not going to be on your side. I know. Richard is not a uh, Laurent Blanc fan. Uh, Richard and I have been having the Laurent Blanc conversation since 2009 when he was at Bordeaux. So, um, but I think this might be a a safe appointment for United. Let's move on. So maybe Blanc for United, uh, maybe uh, Mourinho, uh, certainly Pep for City, maybe Pellegrini for Chelsea. And uh, the one thing we do know is Pochettino is going to be managing Spurs unless one of the Chelsea or United come after him. I think at this point, Pochettino might want to just stay put he's uh he's kind of got uh his his kind of guys and his system in place so espn said by the way sorry espn said that uh united is moving for pochettino i saw i read that today so i don't know why he at this point i I, unless we're still in a mode where spurs are going to sell their best players it seems like they're past that i agree i don't think that we'll have that problem but if they are in past that and they're going to sell the equivalents of modric and bale then and berbatov and carrick Maybe, maybe. I, I, I just think Spurs are in a better place financially now that they're getting their stadium situation sorted, and I think they can probably keep those guys, and I think he probably stays. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's do our top fours. Nipun, 
you do the honors first. So top four for me uh, right now it, on form is Spurs, West Ham, Leicester City, Man City. End of the season, I have Arsenal winning, City second, Leicester City third, Spurs fourth. You, Carter. Mm, you still are going Arsenal. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. So on form, Spurs, West Ham, Leicester, Man City, which I believe was the same exact four as you in the same mm-hmm. order. End of the season. Yes, this is this has happened rather quickly. Where I've accepted the fact they're going to be in the top four, and now I'm saying they're going to win the title. I'm going Leicester first, Whew. Manchester City second, Arsenal finishing third or fourth, like they always do. They will finish third, Spurs fourth, and then we will see. It is very possible still if Spurs have an injury or the young players hit a wall, because a lot of these young players haven't played a full Premier League season uh, still. Now Manchester United or West Ham could catch them fourth, more likely United than West Ham. But uh, really, we only have six teams that could still. Uh, make it to a top four spot. Uh, the the table is now um, making some sense, and we're only a certain number of teams that can get relegated also. So we've moved, moved into a new phase in this season. Let's go to uh, our previews of the weekend. Villa Norwich, do we need to say anything about this? Two very poor teams. It'll be a poor game. If you want to nap, watch this game. <laughs> Uca- uh, Newcastle West Brom equally. Yeah, uh, West Brom are winless in last six away, Karthik. So that's something to think about. But they probably uh, have a lot of draws in there. They right? do. They have three three wins, three draws. Wijnaldum good record at St James Park. So just for that reason alone, Karthik, I'll give the edge to Newcastle. Right. Anything that gets West Brom club the relegation zone on all. <laughs> so Newcastle gets the three points here. Uh, Swans and, and Crystal Palace. Are Palace going to get off the Schneid here? This is a. Uh, uh, a bad run they're on. Palace better away from home, right? Isn't that what we've kind of established at this point? Uh, and Swans, for me, are a good team, an underachieving team. So I'm going to give it to Swans. Uh, hopefully they'll get Gomish back into this game. Maybe uh, some of the things we talked about. Maybe play Sigurdsson behind Gomish like the way they were playing earlier with Ayu on the flank. Uh, hoping for a Swans win here. Yeah, I like Swansea. The man I talked about earlier, Roy Fair, may have a role to play. Uh, we've got uh, Liverpool playing host to Sunderland. This could be an awful game, or this could be a, a, a rip-roaring game. Who knows? I want to see a John O'Shea winner in the 91st minute against Liverpool. That's what I want to see. With Sun- We've seen that before, haven't Exactly. We? That's what I'm saying. So it was United uh, at Anfield. 91st minute, Paul Scholes had already been sent off. It was nil-nil. John O'Shea. 2007, yep. I remember. Exactly. Yep, and that basically won the title for United mm-hmm. that season. Uh, Stoke and Everton, uh, who know? The, the last time these two teams played, it was 4-3 uh, at Goodison Park. I could very easily see this being a nil-nil, though. Yeah, uh, Everton on the back of a good result, Stoke on the back of a very poor one. Uh, it just depends who shows up, right, Karthik? On paper, these both these defenses, sorry, both these uh, attacking lineups are stacked. But on any given day, this might be a nil-nil or a 4-4. So uh, it, I think it'll be a draw. We just don't know what the scoreline will be. Arsenal makes their first ever trip in Premier League play to Bournemouth, which, of course, was Harry Redknapp's boyhood and uh, first club managing, uh, even though he actually his boyhood club was West Ham, excuse me, but uh, the first club he managed. Arsenal uh, are below Bournemouth in the form table, especially if you looked at yeah. the last five games. So what do you think happens here? I think Arsenal comes back to form, or I'm hoping, because if I, I just pick them as potential winners, they have to win this game. Uh, Bournemouth are a good team, but I think uh, with Arsenal uh, coming back to form and, and putting away goals, which is really the difference between Arsenal right now and Arsenal three weeks ago, is putting away goals. I think they'll put away goals and win comfortably. I'm going draw here. Uh, Southampton and West Ham. Ooh, this is, a, this is a tasty one. Yeah. Most weeks this would be the best game. Most weeks it would, but we have a couple of games that we're going to discuss, but most weeks it would. Uh, Southampton starting to sh- 
play some good football, kind of football that we associated with Southampton last season. West Ham, much of the same. So this is actually going to be a good game. Uh, lots of goals, probably. Yeah, I don't know what, where, where to go in this one. Maybe Southampton uh, edges it. Just uh, because they're at home. Yeah. yeah, maybe a 2-1. to one. Chelsea playing host to Manchester United. A board nil-nil draw the last two times, uh, the last time this, these two teams played. Both teams seem to be in a better place now. Uh, but any concern going to Chelsea that uh, coming off a three-goal outburst against Stoke from United's perspective that this might be where a reality check takes place? Uh, yes, absolutely. Mostly because I see the form of Fabregas uh, and, and now Costa. I, I'm cognizant of the fact that United have not been able to pull together two back-to-back results all season. So now that we won 3 nothing, probably means that we will go back to our regular falling asleep mode uh, against Chelsea. And as you said, this, these games have been very tight lately. Very, very tight under different managers. Moyes, Mourinho, uh, Van Hall, etc. So I, I can see Chelsea edging this one because it's at Stamford Bridge and because United, if if Chelsea can neutralize uh, Martial, uh, then that essentially means that the game is over as far as Man United goes. But then Karthik, we know that Martial is going to be coming up against Ivanovic. So that's an issue for Chelsea. <laughs> that's a major issue for Chelsea. And I wonder if you're going to see some extra help, maybe Mikel cheating over towards the right side of Chelsea's defense, uh, left side of Man United's attack to, to try and negate that. Lingard will be coming up the other way. This could be a uh, this could be a testy one for Chelsea's fullbacks. Uh, that having been said, I like the way Chelsea's been playing in the midfield of late, and I think Costa's got goals in them again. So this this game could go either way. Uh, a- any possibility we might see the American Matt Miazga late on, maybe make the matchday squad? I don't think so. I, I think we'll see Miazga start to play. Uh, get on. He'd probably be on the bench for the Champions League game. It's probably the first time we'll see him on the bench. Uh, I don't see him getting onto the bench anytime soon, though. Uh, and, and I think, if I remember correctly, now Chelsea have been playing Terry and uh, Zuma in, in defense lately. Right. So, so with uh, Cahill possibly coming back, I don't see that being enough spots for Miazga on the bench. Yeah, Miazga, this, this seems to have been a, obviously a long-term buy. He's 20 years old. Right. Now that we, we're not sure if Cahill's going to stay with the club, he, he was hoping to, to get a move uh, to an Everton or a club like that in, in this window. And, uh, and clearly, we also know the story with JT, even though Goose Heating claims the door is still open for, for John Terry. It seemed pretty definitive. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Terry uh, ends up with the Los Angeles Galaxy. For those of you who follow Major League Soccer, uh, in the last week, the Los Angeles Galaxy have signed Ashley Kuhlman, <laughs> and Van Damme. So they've signed three long-time veterans of European football, uh, English football in the case of Cole and De Jong, and uh, they already have Steven Gerrard and Robbie Keane. So uh, it, it's a geriatrics ward in a way, but it's also, <laughs> when you talk about Major League Soccer, that looks like a stacked mm-hmm, <laughs> I'm sorry to say that, but that's uh, this, that's the, kind of the quality of MLS. I, I think Ashley Cole and Nigel De Jong are both very good signings for any MLS team. I agree. Uh, which will get me the hater out there. <laughs> Let's talk about the big game of the weekend. Top two in the table. Manchester City, if they can win this game at home against Leicester, they go top uh, based on goal difference. Leicester City get a point, they stay top. If they win, obviously, they, they put them six points between themselves and Manchester City and five points at a minimum between themselves and the next team, which will be, uh, which could be Spurs or Arsenal. So let, let's look at this matchup in a couple different ways. I've had this theory, Nipun, for a couple of weeks that we see the 4-4-2 with Okazaki and Vardy playing up top, very kind of open, all Brighton and Mara's on the wings and then Drinkwater and Conte in midfield. I thought when we got to this stretch of game that you might see 
Claudio Ranieri throw in another uh, midfielder, whether it was Gorkan Inler or Maddie James or uh, whoever it could be, uh, a King, Andy King. It right. could be one of those guys you could throw in central midfield and maybe try and control the midfield play a little more. But now, after seeing their performance in the 4-4-2 against Liverpool, I'm thinking maybe Ranieri rolls the dice. He knows uh, Pellegrini is going to start Yaya Torre, who is the one player who seems dr- dramatically affected at Manchester City by this managerial change, uh, that's impending managerial change. And you know, you've got Conte. We, we talked about Kirchhoff bossing the game for Sunderland. I mean, Conte will probably have a field day. Is, is that is? Do you think Leicester may stay in a 4-4-2? I think they should. I, I mean, uh, last week when you and I were talking about Leicester, we talked about the fact that we might see the reemergence of Tinkerman. But realistically, Ranieri has no reason to go away from this because if if Toure has the kind of game he's had, uh, you know, let, let's be honest, statistically, one out of three games with Toure are a disaster. Two out of three right. are incredible. So if, if it's the one out of three, then Leicester City will win this game comfortably if Conte is in there. But if it's a two out of three, now now it's an actual game. And in either case, in my opinion, the 4-4-2 is the way to go. Because if you're trying to nullify Toure and you're going an, an extra man in midfield and you're taking Okazaki away, you're just inviting more and more pressure from Man City at home and uh, – sorry, Man City away. So essentially, uh, I think 4-4-2 is the way to go. This game could be – very could go one of two ways, or it could go the third way, which is probably the way I'm thinking it'll go, which is a draw. Mm. It could go one of two ways. Leicester is so incisive on the counterattack, and Manchester City comes up six and sevens at the back often, and, and uh, Odomende is a bit of a mess. Di Michaelis has played better the last few matches, but he's he's limited at his age, and the fullback play isn't always uh, as good as it needs to be. Mm-hmm. That you could see Mares and Albrighton cutting open. City from the from wide areas, the, the the center backs not tracking Vardy and Okazaki the way they need to, and Joe Hart being under pressure from about the fifth minute on, and Leicester winning as Leicester has won several games away from home, three one, three two, those that kind of scoreline. Yeah. That's one scenario. I think another scenario is Manchester City has just su- such overwhelming firepower. Although we haven't really seen it since De Bruyne got hurt, so this yeah. is uh, where that injury factors in and, and David Silva hasn't shown us this in a while but maybe you start Navas and Sterling draw uh, have Aguero and and uh, you're, you're running at them so quickly with so much pace and tempo that you open up that the, the and you get a lot of space between Morgan and Huth and your Pepper and Casper Schmeichel former Manchester City product by the way came through our academy son and, of son of former Man United legend by the way yeah right <laughs> just kidding son yeah, of former son of former Man United legend uh, Peter Schmeichel. Uh, Peter Schmeichel who of course because Casper grew up in Manchester. Manchester yeah he's Danish but he grew up in Manchester this is this is the beauty of the Premier League right yeah. we have so many uh, uh, great players living in England for so long when they mm-hmm. had their kids. Casper uh, grew up in um, in Manchester and, and uh, was at that age that he went to Manchester City's academy. And it was actually, had Joe Hart not been bought from Shrewsbury, he'd probably be Manchester City's goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah. By I the way, he started before Hart did, keep in mind. And then Hart came into the team and huh. knocked him out of the team. By the way, in. your your shout about Navas is very interesting because now that you mention it, the, the areas I see Leicester most vulnerable is down their left side uh, with Fuchs and Huth. Both yeah. of those guys have been found wanting for pace, and we know that Navas has the burners, uh, the final ball. <laughs> In fact, it's funny his his assist for this game was a deflected assist. He, you know, if you watch, <laughs> right? The final ball is always lacking, but you exactly. get the out of it. You get the these defensive mix-ups, and all Brighton will then have to probably push back, yeah. and he won't be as dangerous going forward. So that's that's another scenario. 
the third scenario in Yapoon, and I'm going to go for this, is that both those things happen, yeah. and it's just an open game, and it's 2-2 or 3-3. I think that's what's going to happen. Both these teams score goals. Both these teams have uh, somewhat suspect defenses, although it has to be said, Leicester's been keeping more clean sheets lately. But still, I think in, against a team like United, uh, I mean, excuse me, against a team like City, they could have some defensive frailties, and I'm going to go for draw. That's the safest pick when the top two teams play. Definitely, yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with a with a narrow city win. Uh, Leicester, I'm uh, sorry, Man City win against Leicester City. So two uh, one or three two, or is it yeah, gonna be, no. maybe a one nothing or two one, something like that. Just I I, I see somehow, uh, given the fact that Ture had a a poor game last uh, in the last game, I think he'll have a good game. That's a very, very good point. So we will be back with you this weekend after all the action. We might have a new leader atop the table. Uh, we might have uh, a. Uh, uh, the same team. We might have Leicester City. We might have some changes in the relegation spots. So stay tuned to the World Soccer Talk pod. One thing is for sure, though, I should point this out. Leicester City, if they lose both their games to Manchester City and to um, to Arsenal, Arsenal, these two games coming up, they will still have 50 points and be at worst three points back of the league. Yeah. Keep that in mind for those who are saying they're going to fall out of the title race with a much, uh, a much uh, more navigable fixture list after that Arsenal game than either Arsenal or City have in the next month and a half. And no Europe to worry about and no FA Cup to worry about. Keep that in mind if people get on the bandwagon on, on Sunday and say, you know what, Leicester City's done. Man City beat them 6-2 or something. They still have a lot left in them. So for Nipun Chopra, I'm Kardik Krishnayer. Nipun, take us away. You know, go ahead and enjoy your football. The World Soccer Talk podcast is a production of World Soccer Talk and is executive produced by Christopher Harris and produced by Richard Farley. You can get the podcast a number of different ways, including Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Audioboom, or you can go to worldsoccertalk.com to download the show directly. To get in touch with one of the hosts, you can reach out to them on Twitter. I'm Richard Farley. Kartik is KKFLA737. Lawrence is L-O-Z-C-A-S-T, Lawscast. And Nipun is Nipun Chopra 7 don't want to bother with Twitter, go ahead and reach out via email, richard at worldsoccertalk.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.